What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is, well, it's January 2nd, everybody, uh, 2020. That's right. Happy New Year. I hope everybody had an amazing, amazing New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Spent time with your friends, with your family. Uh, I'll get into the unacceptable right now, okay? And we got some stuff to talk about. Um, I saw Star Wars. I have to talk about that. Uh, Me and my son went to see Star Wars, so I will definitely review that movie. Um, Just a lot of stuff. My Unacceptable, I'm going to start right off the top. Talk about some New Year's. Talk about some resolutions. Talk about some hilarious shit. So sit back, relax, wherever you may be, and listen to... uh, You're listening to TVE episode 430 everybody, 430, and want to let everybody know that I am revamping, what I'm about to do is I'm revamping the Patreon, so as of the beginning of the year, I just took that Patreon page down, and I am just waiting to, to, I'm going to be getting some video content, we're going to be backlogging some stuff, kind of like a YouTube page, and then I'm going to relaunch it, so thank you for everybody that was on there, it will come back, I'll let you guys know when it's back, I did a last one today, and, um, or yesterday, I should say, and, uh, but it's, it's all going to come back. It's just going to be bigger, better, more content and, uh, have, you know, a, somebody actually a producer with the, the content and all that stuff. So, uh, that will be, um, up and running. But first I want to start off with my unacceptable. Okay. Now I hope whatever you did, okay. Whatever you guys did on new year's Eve, I know mine, I laid low. Okay. My New Year's Eve was me and my family, my wife, my two kids, and another family, a fantastic family, um, hung out over uh, over at their place, and um, it was just the best. So uh, shout out to that family. I would say their name, but I kind of don't want to say their name, so you know I don't want to do that because I, I, I without talking to them, I'm sure they wouldn't care. But anyway, my son's friend. And my daughter's friend. They have a little boy and a little girl, almost the same exact ages as uh, our two. And we really get along with them. And I was not working. I wasn't going to drive home and rush home, try to get home from a gig before the ball drops. Everybody's already tired. They waited for me. And I'm not doing that this year, so I said to hell with it. And uh, we just had a great time. We ate some appetizers. I was in sweatpants. I mean, I just, we all just kicked back, relaxed, played some games. It was fantastic. Okay. Then I saw some people's Instagram. I saw some people's, you know, their social media. Everybody wants to show them with the 2020 glasses on with the lights. Fine. I'll give you that. They want to show themselves balloons and confetti and all that stuff. I'll give you that. You're in your 20s. You're in your 30s. Here's the unacceptable. Okay. Being in a nightclub, and I'm not talking about a club or a lounge with your friends and family. I am talking about if you are 40 years of age or older. I'm going to even say like 38, 37. 37 and above. If you are in a nightclub, again, not a bar with your friends. Oh, everyone's going to meet at the pub at 10. Not a, oh, we're going to go to this club, but we have our own section and we're doing our own thing. That's fine and good. I'm talking about if you are... of that age, 
okay? And you are in just a busy nightclub with strangers and you have to yell to the bartender what your drink is and wait 15 minutes to get it. And you're just there with loud music because you think it, I mean, what are you doing? Absolutely unacceptable, okay? You, know, you guys know the saying. It's a great saying. If I knew, uh, if I knew now, or if I knew then what I know now, right? If I knew then what I know now, you'd be able to go, what would you say to yourself 20 years ago? Think about that. All the knowledge and the wisdom, okay? I mean, if you're 20 years old, you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? If you're a 21-year-old right now in college listening to this hammered, you're probably going to roll your eyes and be like, fuck this old man. I don't want to listen to his show. But I was you. I was in that college, hammered, okay? And I mean hammered. Okay, I did some of the dumbest shit that if my children ever did, I would be, I mean, guys, I could tell you, I remember, and I was always like competitive in a way where I just, but not in like a dick. I was never like that bully competitive, like, fuck y'all, beach. it wasn't like that. I was just like, oh yeah, I'll show them. I remember guys were funneling beers in college and I was like, oh yeah, beers, that's cute. Get the absolute vodka, you know, lift the funnel up. I'll show you guys. And just funneled a clear tube of like, I could literally have died. And uh, and I was just, you know, doing the dumbest shit you could do in college. Living like a frat boy, even though I wasn't a frat boy, which is hilarious. But I just, you know, I lived like one. But if I could go back and tell my 20-year-old self, dude, what the fuck are you doing? You dumb idiot. People love you. You're funneling vodka. You're out here partying, drinking beers, probably not taking your studies seriously, okay? If you keep this up, you're going to be telling dick jokes in New Jersey, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I didn't have that person to tell me that, so I'm telling dick jokes in New Jersey. No, but that's the thing. You know, like, I waited online with like a $20 bill in 1999 or the year 2000, to get into like the Cheetah Club. I couldn't afford anything. I had like $46 to my name. And I'm waiting online for all this time to get into these places. But if you are a grown man or woman in your late 30s or 40s waiting on nightclub lines to be in a packed club, you are either a stalker, a weirdo, something is wrong, absolutely unacceptable. Could you imagine... Being in a nightclub at that age, looking around at 25, 26-year-olds, all dancing to club music, it's dark, lights are flashing, and you got to scream to some bartender who probably thinks you're a cop or a narc because of how you look, uh, your drink, and you're just standing there like, I mean, absolutely unacceptable. And I'm going to throw another unacceptable in for New Year's. People that got to Times Square at 5 o'clock in the morning and stood in the cold, under the ball, looking up, waiting for that to happen. Now, I get it. If you're from, you know, Tennessee or Wyoming and you never did it before and you and your mother are there, I, I get it. But it's like, what are you doing? Go get a, you know, go into a nice warm bar, get a drink, poke your head out, watch the madness and be far away from it. You don't go there. Oh, hey, Target. Hey, terrorist Target. I'm going to be right in the middle of it. So whatever goes off, it's like, yeah, I, those are the unacceptables. 
being in your 40s at a nightclub screaming your drink order and standing in the middle of Times Square at 3 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning to hear Jenny McCarthy go, so what are you going to do this year? All right, Ryan, back to you when we go in the warm studio. Fuck that. All right, you know, I don't need to see Gronkowski and Steve Harvey up close uh, in Times Square. So, uh, but I think, now I know what you're saying. Oh, well, screw you, Paul. You're a little older now. You got a family. Okay. You got a young family. You're not old, but you got, you know, you, you're past that. So you just hung out and played games and sat inside. What do you think? You're better and smarter? Yes, I am. Cause I did all that shit. I remember one year I was in Times Square around the ball. It was freezing cold. We were buying Budweiser cans on the street. Confetti was like falling into my beer. And we just, me and my buddies just got on a train hammered with beers later at night thinking it was cool. We were cold. We got nothing accomplished. We didn't have a good meal. We just went down to drink. We walked around. We bought drinks on the street, thought that was cool, and got on a stupid train, Metro North, back upstate, and thinking that it was, it was cool to what we did. And it could not have been more dumb. <laughs> and it wasn't even like we were dating anybody like so there was like no girls there was no family there was nobody it was just us four or five idiots walking around in the freezing cold buying like five dollar Budweiser cans off the street or two dollar Budweiser cans in the freezing cold looking from far away hearing people scream saying happy new year and then getting back on the train absolutely ridiculous but I figured it out, everybody. I'm going to try not to work unless, oh, the money's got to be good, people. The money's got to be big. But I will not be working on New Year's Eve unless it's a really nice gig. Maybe my family could come with, stay in a little hotel room, nice hotel, do the show, be back with them, something. But, oh, you got to pay up. You got to pony up this time. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I am not doing it. Give me some pajamas, some sweatpants, and a sweatshirt. Put me to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's perfect. You go, you watch the ball drop, you have some dessert, whatever. Call it a night at 1.30, get the kids to bed before 2. You lay down for another hour, sick to your stomach because you drank and you ate like a glutton, and then you pass out and you have awful stomach pains the next day while you watch the bowl games. That's how I'm doing it from now on, everybody. So that's my unacceptable. I hope you all, whatever you did, I hope you did it. But if you are younger and listening... Please don't just blow this off. Take my word for it. All right, get a couple of close people and do your own private thing. It's always that much better. Uh, I want to thank everybody who came to Fairfield, guys. The last shows I did were um, a couple days before New Year's Eve. I was at the Fairfield Comedy Club, and I had such a great time. Me and my buddy Joe Bartnick, who I do not get to see a lot. You guys know Joe. Joe has been a good friend. Joe is, you know, part of our... I guess you could say, I mean, not crew, but he's a dear friend, you know, of obviously myself and Bill Burr, and there's just a, a bunch of us used to tour. We did a bus tour together, and Joe was in New York, and um, he came up to work with me. He was doing spots in the city, came up to work with me in Fairfield, had a great time, and uh, so shout out to Joe and Beecher and all the other guys that were up there. Um, ben, I think there was a dude, Ben, I hope I got the name right. And um, myself and, and Joe Bartnick, and we just had a, a great time up there. First show was packed. Second show was really, actually really good looking for two shows that night. I was a little worried with the holidays, but it was uh, it was great. They knew I was coming, people. No, we had a really, um, really good time. And, 
You know, it's not often that I say I enjoy doing a show that's a BYOB. Okay. But like, this was like a good BYOB. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this was like Fairfield, Connecticut. There's some money up there. So this BYOB, people are bringing in like fucking Rafino Chianti to this thing. This wasn't like, you know, this wasn't like a group of people online with a 60-pack of Bush beer and Meisterbrow. This was this was high-end. These people had like good shit and brown paper, you know. It's the only time you're ever going to see a hedge fund guy sitting in a comedy show in a beautiful cardigan holding a, you know, a brown paper bag with a fucking <laughs> bottle of Macallan in it. It was hilarious. It was like the it was like the most high-end BYOB. There were people I saw people had like uncracked open like even like the lowest thing you'd see there would be like Jack Daniels and it was from like 20 something year old rich kid. But had a great time and um really enjoyed it. And one thing that was hilarious is my older brother was like, hey, I'm going to come. My older brother and his girlfriend's like, I'm going to come to the show. I'm like, yeah, yeah, just tell them, you know, uh, they know, you know, you kind of, my older brother looks like me. So I was like, yeah, just, you know, just tell them, I'll tell them you're coming in. And when they'll put, and they just put him, and like the stage is right on the front row. And they just put my older brother, who's been to a million shows, and his girlfriend literally at my feet. And it was fine. I thought it would be weird. And I think because I'm just so close with him that we just like almost laughed together. It was like he was on stage with me. But it is a little funny and weird when you're on stage and literally people that you love, like your family is like right there. And uh, it all worked out. So thank you uh, for doing the right thing, you rich BYOB people up there. Um, Because I was at a BYOB with Bill Burr in Calgary and holy shit. I mean, there were when that show was over, they were sweeping up. You just heard the cans rolling on. You just heard the metal against the ground rolling around. Big, like, bush or whatever fucking Canadian beers they got up there. People yelling out during the show. I will say this. Calgary was a little wild as far as, you know. I'm sure there's some BYOBs in Jersey. You know. I remember. You guys want I'll give you guys one. I'll give you guys one that I don't talk about. And I don't think I've ever really talked about this. And if I did, it was so, so long ago. But I'll give you guys one. You guys all know the Country Club one. I've talked about it on podcasts and radio shows. So you guys know when I performed for like those one percenters and it was just like epic movie bad. Like 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 the bombing was so ridiculous. And But um, I'll give you guys, this is a, this is a good story. So... Me and fellow comedian who's also been on the show, Alexis Guerreros. Okay, you guys know Alexis. He did the pizza tours. Now he is, he's got a TV show on the football TV network. And uh, him and uh, Christian Polanco have an insanely popular soccer podcast called The Cooligans. Check those guys out. Those guys are great. They're funny. They're, they're everything. Likeable, funny, good comics. Just like everything. You know what I mean? And um, Alexis has been on the show. We've done some shows together. He's open for me. And he knows all this shit about pizza, even though I give him shit because he's Cuban. So I always say, like, you know, leave the pizza palette to the Italians. I understand you know, but we were built for this shit, okay? So let's not get crazy. Anyway, we got into this whole argument about how he says you got to fold a slice. I say you absolutely don't have to fold a slice. That's a story and a fight for another day. But... I mean, you don't need to fold a slice of pizza. As a matter of fact, I don't like bread on bread. We'll talk about that another time. Anyway, Alexis and I get booked for this thing. And it was nice money. I remember it was nice money. 
Um, I don't remember the exact amount, but it was it was a couple thousand dollars to go into this place or whatever it was. It was just a decent amount of money. It was a decent budget for me to go into a private event and do like 35, 30, 35 minutes. And we go to this golf course and it's a country club and uh, no women. So anytime there's no women, it could be, it could be a little weird. And um, what reminded me of this was the BYOB. But this wasn't a BYOB. This was a private event and they had a cigar roller, which was right up my alley. And we get there and Alexis is there and he's just like, I go, you know, but they were like, hey, we'll do a 45 minute to an hour show. So Alexis is like, like, just do 10 minutes. The lighting is horrible. They're like, oh, the microphone, the microphone was broke when he was up there. So he was trying to talk. People were yelling at him, talking over him. He was trying to do it. It was an absolute fucking nightmare that the kid got through it. And he got through it. Okay. Actually, he actually, he held he held his own and did something that not many comedians would have been able to stand and do. But now I'm getting mad. The lights are bad. These animals are just talking shit. People are yelling up stuff at him. They, they try to get him another microphone. It's just, it, it couldn't have been more of a nightmare. And I'm looking at the lady and she's looking at me like, sorry, what can we do? And I'm going, what can we do? This is bullshit. So now I start targeting, my eyes start targeting people that are yelling at him. And he gets off stage. I go on stage and I dedicated, dedicated my set to going to each table that yelled something and just destroying people. I go, look at this fuck, look at this fat fuck sitting here by himself yelling at somebody and with no woman. No wonder why you have no woman. Look at you. Look at you. What are you going to do tonight? You need to be here, you fucking nobody. And I just start. And then these guys in the back, I try to do a joke. And I'm like, yeah, I just got a new car. And the guy in the back would be like, what is it, a Toyota or a Honda? I was like, I forgot. And I was just like, and I was like, really? That's what you yell from the back, all hidden in the back? Like a tough guy, you fuck, and like just trying to make these guys just shrivel. And um, I remember doing that, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not. Anytime I hear, so here are the two things you got to always be leery of if you're a comic, okay? <laughs> and we're gonna say a lot of the yes, okay? I've said a lot of yes. I stood on a Coca-Cola crate in a bar in 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 Jersey while people were eating chicken parm, trying to look away from me, and I'm I'm yelling at them on a on a Coca-Cola crate as a stage. If the stage was any smaller, I'd be, I'd be balancing myself on one leg. I've said yes to many things. Okay, you got to get to a point in your career where you say no for things that don't make sense. But you got to look out for the BYOB and you got to look out for the private show where it's just dudes who are drinking all day or playing golf all day who think they're going to be funny. Now, you can do it. I like to do it sometimes because I like to test and I like to just go at people and just shit all over them if I have to. I don't, that's not who I am. But sometimes when you're tested like that, you need to you need to do it. I walked off stage one time because of a situation like that. I had nowhere, nothing else to say, nowhere to go. It was a shit show and it was a, a learning experience. I've talked about it on earlier uh, podcasts. And it was something where I was like, okay, well now I need to know for the you need to know for the for the future. You need to know. So any comedian listening to this, anybody thinking about going into comedy, Make sure you have self-worth. Make sure you know what you're going to go into. And, and you know, I, I will say this, though. If you're really new, you kind of have to go through this shit. So you're never going to say no. When you're new, I mean, I would have went. I drove from upstate to Harlem for no money to do five minutes in front of a crowd that probably wanted to boo me. I was only, me and one other guy were the only white souls in the room. Okay? That's why I think if you, if you, if my son or daughter want to do this, they better really want to do it. 
I've came up, come up in urban rooms. I've done contests. I've done contests with all black comedians. I've done contests in um, in different states. I've driven places. I've I've dr- drove to Chicago for a three minute audition, which I fucking won because the guy who won in New York, I thought I was as good at as. I mean, all these things. If you're a new comic, you have to do. You have to sacrifice that. But what I'm saying is, there will come a point. Where you're like, yeah, I don't feel like performing in front of guys who have BB guns and they could shoot me if they don't like... Like, you just have to know certain things. I remember one time I got hired for $200 to go to a rich kid's pool party graduation. He had a graduation. He graduated in uh, in this beautiful mansion in Jersey. Mansion. Like a Tony Soprano type of house in Jersey. All of it, him and his friends, they were all sitting under a tent in his backyard next to his beautiful in-ground pool and they just handed me a wireless mic and they go, all right, go. And, and I just went up there and I'm walking around. There's just relatives. There's like like light music in the back. I mean, it was just an absolute and I'm going like, for $200 I did that? I must love this <laughs> or I must, you know. So anyway, I, I know I, I, I digress. I went off on a tangent but I thought that that was relevant because I know a lot of comedians listen to this you know they listen to this and uh you know it's it's good to know you got to you got to know when to you got to know when to to do what you you know whether you say yes or no whatever all right happy new year everybody got a hilarious story here a hilarious story that my dad just told me now you guys know that my uh my father's a character okay and my father is somebody that i am probably going to probably going to have a, you know, talk about in my next special. I'm talking about him now on stage. He's just a character, my dad. He's 100% Sicilian and will let everybody in the world know that that's what he is. He is, um, you know, loves Italians, loves Sicilians, think they're the greatest people in the world. Um, You know, over the top, my dad is just, you know, a conservative guy, but just so funny and actually very, very nice and respectful, to be honest, but he's just a character. So he gets pulled over. He goes through a red light in front of a cop and the cop pulls him over and my dad goes, ah, you know, what are you going (laughs) to, my dad goes, My dad goes, yeah, you know, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? I thought I could, you know, I thought I could get it. I didn't get it. You know, what are you going to do? And he said, like, he told me that the cop didn't give him a ticket and the cop was actually laughing. Like, my dad is such a character that, like, he's a guy that you'll be like, I want to smoke a cigar with this guy. I don't want to give this guy a ticket. You know, that's because when you hear my dad talk, it's just the funniest you know, he's like, I thought I could squeeze it in. You know, I thought I could stretch it. I just, you know, I, I what, you know, what, and then he just, and he's always with the hands and the tilted head, like picture his hands out, tilted head, like, what are you going to do? What can we do here? Is there anything we could do? You know, so the guy's like laughing with him and the guy doesn't give him a ticket. And then my dad goes, <laughs> my dad goes, yeah, I noticed your last name ends in an I. Are, are you Italian? And the officer goes, <laughs> the officer goes, oh, I'm actually, I'm just like 25%. My dad goes, no, no, it's enough. It's enough. <laughs> my dad told me that and I just started. And I mean, obviously it's more funny to me because I know my dad, but he was basically telling this cop that the 25% is enough and that's why you're a good guy and that's why you didn't give me a ticket. 
Like if that 25% was German instead, I might even be doing time tonight. And you, you're Italian and that's why it's enough. And he had the guy laughing and um, Lord knows what else my dad said. My, my dad probably was like, you from, I think I, my dad actually even did say that he started talking to the guy like about New York or whatever, but just so funny. Just so fu- so fucking funny. And I was like, you know what? I'm talking about that on the podcast because, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of Italians that listen to this. But even if you're not Italian, he's just one of those. And you're going to be hearing a lot about my dad in the new special. Um, I got, see this cat? I got this fucking cat problem now that's causing my wife to lose her shit. All right. And, uh, you know, I don't know what to do. So my cat with diabetes... I gave these guys, can you believe this? I gave them almost $1,700, okay? And don't get me wrong, to save my cat's life, I'll do that. But listen, $1,700 during the holiday season is $1,700 during the holiday season, okay? That's gifts for my kids, that's everything like that. I got this cat that's about to be 15 years old. Me and my wife still fight about the fact that I I, I signed a, a resuscitate thing. They were like, if the cat dies at night with the heart, do you want us to resuscitate? It'll cost you $400 sign here. And I said, yeah, resuscitate the fucking thing. Okay, absolutely. This is my cat, and this, we're going down swinging. That's it. He's been in my life since he's seven weeks old. He's 15 now. Absolutely. So we still fight about that. Here's the problem, everybody. Here's what's going on. Okay? My cat, it did not help. My cat is still going to the same corner of this, of this little floor mat that we have. And he's pissing in the house. It's fucking causing a big problem. Some people are telling me, take him to put him down. I'm like, I'll put you down. Okay, I'm going to figure this out. His levels are all over the place. I'm not going back to this vet. This vet was a, is a fucking crook. They charged me $1,700. They still haven't regulated my cat's blood sugar. I'm all over the place with the, you know, oh, go up to four. Don't go to four units. Go to two. I almost killed the cat twice because one one doctor's telling me one thing. The other doctor's telling me another thing. And now I have a cat like nothing has happened. Nothing is better. And he's in the house. And I don't want to put him in the garage or put him in some. The cats do have a room that we call the cat room where they have their food and they have their litter box and they have their thing in the back of the house towards the patio and stuff. And they could sleep in there. It's fine. But like, I want the cat to still be able to be a cat around the house. And they charge me all that money and I'm back to square one. So if any vets are listening to this shit, okay, before I freaking go into that place and go wild on these people, let me know. Then he tells me this thing. He goes, ah, you know, this is how I knew I was being robbed. You know when a car salesman tries to tell you a joke in the middle of you signing the papers? You know, it's like their way of being like, oh, we're friends, right? Yeah, I just, you know the bullshit. I was in sales. Everybody, you, know, you try to throw a little fucking... So, as I'm... Hey. I mean, it's like a fucking... I can't... I can't even tell a story now. You know, he, he, this lunatic's barking at something. That's, that's literally probably a jogger or somebody walking down the street. And this lunatic is, 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 I got the cat meowing. I got the dog barking. If I had my own studio doing this, they'd be banging on the door. You know, they'd be banging on the door. Something would happen. Anyway. So the guy, as I'm giving this guy $1,700, 
He's gone, and he's like, yeah, sorry, man. The numbers are all over the place. The cat's blood sugar. One vet tells me he needs more sugar. The other vet tells me he doesn't. You know, he's, oh, he almost went into shock. Oh, this and that. And I'm like, oh, great. Well, you know, I don't want to kill my cat. So since I'm paying you all this money, can you figure it out? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I told you that story after I paid him, after the credit card went through. He goes, I told you that story about the famous cat vet, one of the greatest cat vets of all time. And I'm like, no, you didn't. And he smiles. He goes, "Yeah, he was at a big seminar." And he said, "Raise your hand if you if if you know if, if you've never had a problem regulating your cat." And he goes, and then three people raise their hand. He goes, "Go figure." The point is, even the best in the world can't figure it out. And I'm going, "Really? That's your story? That's your story? I just gave you seventeen hundred dollars. Somebody better better regulate something, okay? Somebody better regulate something, okay? Because you know what needs to be regulated? My fucking checking account now, because you people are stealing from me. That's what needs to happen. So forget regulating the cat." What are you doing? Anyway, so now he's sitting next to me. He's actually literally on the desk. You could hear him. I'm going to actually make him talk on the podcast. Stanley, how you feeling? Feeling? That was him. Um, anyway, so that's why I had this guy in forever. He's been in my life since, uh, you know, almost 15 years on January 26th. And, um... Yeah, now he's laying on my notebook that I wrote the bullet points for the podcast. And, uh, yeah, because it's his world. What do I give a shit? He'll go piss on a rug, and I'll get yelled at by my wife, and I'm trying to keep him alive, and he's interfering with the podcast. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's what's going on. That's, that's what's going on. <laughs> um, So if anybody out there is a vet or knows something, I was told to put him on two units of insulin. Then it went up to four. When it went up to four, they said he had too much. Now he's on two and a half units of insulin, and um, he's still pissing, and he's still, you know, drinking water. I think I want to say it's slightly better since I moved it to two and a half, but I don't know. Now we got to wash another rug, and it's going to be a shitstorm when Mrs. Verzi comes walking in the house because she does not play that bullshit. Um, so that's that. And here we go. So let's do a one's got to go on the podcast. I want to do a one's got to go for 2020. And then I'm about to have a guest. I'm about to have a guest on this month in January. I'm about to have a guest on the podcast. And uh, right into Unacceptables for TVE with which guest you would like to see. Um, but there are going to be some great ones coming up this year for sure. And we're going to start in January. Um, looks like the last week of January. Now... One's got to go. You guys know how it works on the show. Boxing or UFC, you could only watch one forever. I said at its best boxing, even though I know UFC's got the most, at its best. Here's one for the opening one for episode uh, 430 in 2020. One's got to go. Sneakers or shoes. Okay. Now, you guys know I'm, I'm a sneakerhead. I like sneakers. I like Jordans. I like Air Maxes. I like certain Adidas, certain Pumas, all that stuff. But a nice pair of shoes with a nice pair of slacks, nice little button down or something like that. When you're looking really good, it's kind of a little more adult. It's a little, you, you kind of need that sometimes. So... I mean, and I guess I shouldn't count like weddings and stuff. Of course, you're not going to go to a wedding in a pair of Jordans. Well, I'm sure some people do, but I guess one's got to go for the majority of your living days. Sneakers or shoes. 
And I, I got to be honest, I'm conflicted with this one. Even though everyone's going to be like, Paul, I know you're going to say sneakers. I don't know. Because let me ask you a question and think about this. Are you going to be 70 years old walking around in a pair of Jordans? You know, but I fantasized about being 70-something and being in New Balance and sweatpants in a home, playing cards every Thursday, eating Jello and pudding and having my three or four close friends and we always have competition playing cards and we know the nurses and we joke around. I fantasize about that. Maybe my 80s. I should say that, that hopefully like my late 80s, that'll be the case where you're just in comfortable sweats and sneakers and, you know, you're eating Jello and, you know, the game show network's on all day. Like I'm looking for, <laughs> I'm looking for God willing, God willing we get there. But um, if I get there, I'll, I'll look forward to that. But sneakers or shoes for your mainly life. Think about it. I think gun to my head. Ah, oh, man, it's tough. This one's tough. You know what? I was going to say shoes. Then I was like, no, but there are nice sneakers that also can be a little formal. But then there's also like the sneaker shoe. So I don't know where that falls. Like, you know, like Cole Haan's got some nice like sneaker shoe. Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to say for now, I'm going to say sneaker because I think you can get a sneaker that looks formal and can go. And I'm talking about for like mainly of your life. But write into Unacceptables for TVE and let me know what you think. One's got to go. Your favorite and best sneakers or your favorite and best shoes. But one's going for the majority of your, you know, for the majority of like, I mean like when you go on a date, when you go on a nice date. Are you going to wear those sneakers? Okay. I'm going to give you weddings and funerals and all the formal stuff that you have to do and say that you're not going to be an animal and go in a pair of sneakers. But every other thing, you show up to take your mother out to dinner. You go on a big date. You want to go out with your wife and kids to a fine restaurant. One's got to go forever. It's a tough one. Sneakers or shoes. Think about it. All right, guys. Now we move to sports and movies real quick, okay? And don't worry, I will get you guys out of here. I know it's the beginning of the, uh, I know it's the beginning of the year, and this one needs to come out because it's a, a, a late entry this week because of the holiday. So I want to talk about two things: sports and my New York Knickerbockers, and then I'm going to talk about Star Wars. Um. By the way, you guys listening to TVE 430. Happy New Year, everybody. This is the first podcast of 2020. I hope you're doing okay. My cat's sitting on my notebook, so I had to lift him up and I see what I can read now. The New York Knickerbockers. Oh, Paul, come on. Come on, Paul. Are you going to sit here and actually tell us you're getting excited about the New York Knicks who've won three games in a row for the first time all year. They have an interim coach, and they have a bunch of young players who are still developing, and a couple of good players, and that's it, and a team that's probably not even going to get close to the eighth seed in the playoffs. Are you excited about that, Paul? Yes, I am. Am I delusional? Yes, I am. Okay, but give me this. Because I enjoy watching the Knicks. I enjoy watching the Knicks with my son. It's one of our favorite things to do. And I will tell you, since Coach Fisdale got fired, this coach is 7-4. and four. 
I believe is it seven and four? He was six and f- no. I'm sorry. He's seven and five. This new coach is seven and five since he's been hired. We've beaten. We've been in games with good teams. We've beaten bad teams. We did lose to a couple of good teams. So you got to kind of be. But I will say this: they had a players' meeting. They 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 seem like they are actually in it at least. And here's what I'll say: I know we're not going to do anything crazy this year. But we got Barrett and we got Robinson. By the way, Robinson went 11 for 11 last night with 22 points. He broke a Knicks record. No one's ever gone. He was perfect. He went 11 for 11 last night with 22 points. Okay? Um, Young jumps out of the gym in his early 20s. So we have two guys that are a foundation. As long as we don't trade away first-round draft picks and we can, you know, and see what happens with the coach. Maybe this is the guy, maybe not, but I'm happy with what the Knicks are doing, and I think it's in the right direction, and all I could say is I hope we win a championship before the Brooklyn Nets do, and I think we will. Um, So that's all I will say about that. I'm not going to sit here and waste your people's time on talking about how good I think the Knicks are going to be because they've been a disaster, but I like the direction, and the fact that I could still watch you know, they won 14 games last year. They're already at 10 this year. So give me a fucking break. Give me a chance. And the fact that I could watch them already in January is is not the worst thing in the world. Guys, here we go. Okay, I'm going to get a little angry here. Not angry, but, <clears throat> you know, somewhere in between the blue and the red me. You guys saw the new logo. You know, the way there's a there's a yellow, which is like the neutral me. Then there's the red who gets hot. And then there's the blue who's, uh, you know, whatever. But this one's going to be in between a little bit. Um, I went to see Star Wars very, very skeptical because of the reviews. Um, Rotten Tomatoes gave it 54%, yet the audience on Rotten Tomatoes gave it Rotten Tomatoes gave it almost 90 I believe it was 86%. Now, I don't like to go by reviews, but that was a little concerning to me. Um, also I saw things on social media, some people saying it's my favorite one, it was epic, it was a masterpiece, and other people saying I didn't like it, people texting me, what did you think? Okay, here's what I think. I think that Joe DeRosa, a comedian friend of mine, said online, he said, uh, he said, this is a masterpiece, and he was 1,000% right. Not only did I like the Star Wars, I was up last night thinking about how brilliant it was, how brilliant J.J. Abrams was, how if you watched all the Star Wars and you see how there were callbacks and everything tied together, it was absolutely fantastic. There were insane visual effects. The story was great. The acting was great. There were great cameos that came together at the end, which wrapped it up beautifully. Okay, I don't know what these people want. These people that didn't like the Irishman because of the CGI wasn't good. These instant gratification have everything at their fingertips. What do you people want? It was perfect. I'm going again. I I said on Facebook the other day, it was my last movie of 19 and it will be my first movie in theaters of 20. It was spectacular. Okay, it ties in... All the stuff with the Jedi versus the bad guys versus the Empire. It, it, the balance of good and evil has finally come to, I mean, it was perfect. It, it was said, and I, and I will say this, and I, and I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but I will admit this on my podcast, on my first podcast of, of 2020, 
on 430. I actually, towards the end of the movie, in like the last frame, the last one or two scenes of the movie, I, my eyes started to well up. And it literally brought me to 1982 or 3 or 4 or however old I was in the opening move in the opening movie or the first movie I should say episode 4 a new hope star wars the first one it brought me back to that sand dune where you know those people that were raising luke and and you know that, that it brought me back there and the end scene was so perfect and brilliant and I started I'm getting the chills saying it now I started to just like well up and I'm going oh my god like, am I really going to, am I watering up at a Star Wars movie? And it's like, yeah, because it's my childhood. It was nostalgia. It was like, it would be the same way in a Rocky movie. You know, Rockies came out in the late 70s. And I mean, they're probably still going to do 15 more of them. You know, Lucas is going to be at Rocky. Lucas is probably going to go see Rocky 23. <laughs> Rocky 23, where like Rocky's great, great grandson fights Ivan Drago's great, 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 you know, I don't know, daughter or so. Who knows what's going to be going on then. But, um, yeah, it just brought me back to when I was a kid. My dad took me and my older brother to see Empire Strikes Back and in this movie theater in Yonkers. Um, same movie theater, I believe, where I saw Eddie Murphy Raw. And, um, you know, it just brought me back there because he tied everything together perfectly. Um, I just don't understand. And then it was also kind of sentimental because Carrie Fisher, like they did a great job with Carrie Fisher in the movie, um, before she had passed rest her soul. Like it was really, really good with, uh, how they, how they did it. And I loved it. And I totally got why people on Rotten Tomatoes gave it almost 90. I don't know what these people want. I really don't know what these people want from that, for would have wanted from that Star Wars. I'll give you the last one, the one before this one was horrible. They made Luke like some whiny bitch living scared in the mountains who wanted no part of the fight. And he was like fat and bloated and shit. And he was holding a fish over his shoulder. It was horrible. It was, it was absolutely horrible. But this one and the one before it, the one where, where Han Solo gets killed by his son. And then this one, I just don't understand what you could have a problem with. J.J. Abrams did everything you could possibly do. He did it perfectly. And if I ever get the opportunity to meet that man, I'm going to shake his hand and say, what you did for the Star Wars franchise and saga was nothing short of a masterpiece, spectacular, and thank you. And that's all I have to say about it. If you like Star Wars, I had somebody text me going, Paul, I, I didn't like Star Wars. What do you think? And I'm going, what do you, like, what? I just don't. And some people are complaining. Uh, it's kind of like the same. No, it's like the good. It's like, of course, it's the same. It's good versus evil in the, in space. What do you want it to be? You know, there's a giant fucking Bigfoot who's hanging out with a bow gun. I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you, yes, it's bad versus evil. It's cowboys and Indians in space. What do you want? It? I don't understand. What did you want? Some crazy twist? You know, where, I, what, what do you want? Where Luke's ghost turns into a serial killer killing the other fucking ghosts? You know, when their, like, silhouette is, like, all highlighted. What do you want, Luke, to start killing those? That's a whole subplot. I mean, what do you want? What do these people want? The worst. The absolute worst. If it sucked, I said the last one wasn't good. I, I, I even said I want, I lied to myself. I wanted the last one to be good. And when I watch it now, it's almost like, oh, that one? The last one's like Godfather 3. It just is. It's Godfather 3, and you have to deal with it because it's a part of it. But to say this one is, is just, I mean, I don't want to say somebody's, 
something that's subjective is wrong, but here it just doesn't make sense to me. I absolutely loved it. Go see it. It's one of my favorite. I put it in the top three. I actually put it in the top three of the entire, I put it in the top three of the entire thing, of the entire saga. I put it in the top three. And it could be one or two. I don't even have the order of the top three, but it's in there for sure. That's how that's how much I enjoyed it, and I'm going again. And I almost cried. And there was I had a friend tell me he cried throughout the movie, which is what which I will say is a little unacceptable and took it to another level. <laughs> okay. I didn't take it that far. Um, but there you have it. So it gets my approval. Thank you guys so much. This was episode uh TVE uh 430. And um Got some cool stuff coming up, so um, I will announce the new Patreon when that gets added. But it's everything is going to be re revamped and and done uh, different and better and ready to go for 2020. So uh, you guys just stay tuned to this every week, and uh, you will hear about it. I hope to see you guys at a live podcast show, and I hope to see you guys at my comedy show. Speaking of my comedy show, guys, um, I will be doing a ton of sets in New York City in January. And uh, new dates are coming out for February and March. March, I'm actually going to be at Levity Live. In, um, I'll be at Levity Live in March. You can actually get tickets to that now. So if you go to um, Levity Live's website, you can get tickets right now to that, um, to those shows. I will be at Levity Live. When is the Levity one? Let me see. Let me just mix. Yes, March 5th. Okay. So uh, I'm going to have some dates announced in February, but March 5th, 6th, uh, and 7th, oh, and 8th, 5 through 8, you could go to get tickets right now, West Nyack, New York, Levity Live, and March 26th, 27th, and 28th, I will be at um, Magoobie's Joke House, um, right outside Baltimore, okay, Baltimore, um, Maryland, you guys can go get tickets to that right now, um, my... Comedy uh, Central special, uh, Paul Verzi, I'll Say This, Bill Burr Presents, Paul Verzi, I'll Say This, is streaming on Comedy Central now. People are telling me they keep watching it. You could go keep watching it. It's getting great reviews, and I can tell you right now, the next hour is better. It's going to be better. We're going to record it in 2020. So come out to a show. Check paulverzi.com for um, all of updates on that. Also go to my Instagram, Paul Verzi. Um, and that's V-I-R-Z-I, my Twitter, my Facebook, everything. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope everybody um, had an amazing holiday season, and I hope everybody has an even better 2020, a better year than the last, and um, there you have it. So thank you guys. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. I will announce the new Patreon and announce all the other stuff coming up with the uh, podcast. Talk to you soon. Take care.